You're going to love this. Just love it. Hope so. Really hope so. Actually, I don't care. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the Yes, I am stuck in the middle with you. Once again, right here on Pacifica Radio's KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 91.7 FM all along the Oregon Central Coast on KYAQ, coast to coast and around the globe on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on iTunes, on Progressive Voices Channel. On Netroots Radio, on Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation Network, on RadioOrNot.com, and now five days a week on Radio Sputnik. Glad you could join us. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from Bradblog.com. Glad you could be here with us today. Uh, man, another big day. We did our first uh, daily broadcast yesterday, and everything seemed to go well enough. And then all hell broke loose in uh, in Baltimore, and it was kind of interesting because we were actually um, we had a, a, a correspondent who was touching base with us from Sputnik, Sputnik News. Her name is Cassandra Fairbanks. And she was outside the funeral uh, for Freddie Gray at uh, in Baltimore, and she had been at the protests over the weekend. There had been a little bit of spotty violence, but mostly everything was calm. These um, uh, these demonstrations that had gone on for a week had been calm, if not getting the attention of the uh, of the national media. But during the uh, funeral, as uh, that was happening, everything was calm, and we checked in with her on the ground thinking things might get out of hand, but she was like, no, everything's fine. It's a bit tense. It's a bit of a powder keg, but uh, so far everything is fine. So that was the report we had. We, uh, we went to air. We completed the show. We uh, sent everything out to all of our affiliates, and as soon as we had sent it out, all hell broke loose. We turned on CNN. Police cars were on fire. People were going crazy. Uh, so we actually ended up going back and repatching, getting in touch with Cassandra Fairbanks again, getting another report now that things were, uh, were going uh, crazy. So I don't know which version of yesterday's broadcast you might have heard, uh, cause we actually put out two of them to get the update on what was then going on and still continues to be going on at least the tension, uh, if not the same kind of, uh, rioting that we saw uh, last night, yesterday afternoon, and last night. Uh, the new Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, put out a statement not long after being sworn in, finally, uh, on Monday. She said, I condemn the senseless acts of violence by some individuals in Baltimore that have resulted in harm to law enforcement officers, destruction of property, and shattering of the peace in the city of Baltimore. Those who commit violent actions, ostensibly in protest of the death of Freddie Gray, 
do a disservice to his family, to his loved ones, and to legitimate peaceful protesters who are working to improve their community for all its residents. The Department of Justice stands ready to provide any assistance that might be helpful. The Civil Rights Division and the FBI have an ongoing independent criminal civil rights investigation into the tragic death of Mr. Gray. We will continue our careful and deliberate examination of the facts in the coming days and weeks. That was Attorney General Loretta Lynch. As things uh, started getting out of hand yesterday in Baltimore, since then... There have been nearly 200 arrests, 144 vehicle fires, 15 structure fires, according to the uh, to the mayor's office, with some 20 police officers reportedly injured at this hour. This afternoon in the Rose Garden, President Obama uh, had a uh, press avail with the uh, Desi Doyen was with the Japanese prime minister. I yes, believe, the Japanese right? prime minister, Shinzo Abe. He and was here to talk about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, but of course, no one was really interested in covering. That. Actually, and you know what? Before I get, I'll just toss this in right now. But before we get to the clip of, of the president, uh, it was kind of hysterical. CNN, we, again, we were watching CNN. He made uh, this long statement. Oh, president Obama made this long statement about what was going on in, uh, in Baltimore. We'll play it in a second. And then the camera, then he, he referred to the uh, Japanese prime minister. And the translator came on and said, about the TPP. And immediately, Wolf Blitzer broke away and said, we're going to break in here now and go. As soon as he was talking about the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, TPP a trade deal. That, Which is also a really big deal. Well, it's a huge deal, and nobody knows anything about it because it's all being done in secret uh, by lobbyists and corporatists, but not by the American people. We will talk about that another day. Uh, but it, w it was kind of amusing. Uh, CNN couldn't even be bothered to do that. In any event, the president made his statement. Uh, here is uh, a, a clip of his statement on what's going on right now in Baltimore. When individuals get crowbars and start prying open doors to loot, uh, they're not protesting. They're not making a statement. They're stealing. When they burn down a building, they're committing arson. And they're destroying and undermining uh, businesses and opportunities in their own communities. Uh, that rob jobs and opportunity from uh, people in that area. That is not a protest. That is not a statement. It's people, a handful of people taking advantage of a situation for their own purposes, and uh, they need to be treated as criminals. The violence that happened yesterday distracted from the fact that you had seen multiple days of peaceful protests that were focused on entirely legitimate concerns of these communities in Baltimore, led by clergy and community leaders. And they were constructive and they were thoughtful and, frankly, didn't get that much attention. And one burning building uh, will be looped on television over and over and over again. And the thousands of demonstrators who did it the right way uh, I think have been lost uh, in the discussion. The overwhelming uh, majority of the community in Baltimore, uh, I think, have handled this appropriately, expressing real concern and outrage 
over the possibility that our laws were not applied evenly in the case of Mr. Gray and that accountability needs to uh, exist. Um, and I think we have to give them credit. My understanding is, is you've got some of the same organizers now going back into these communities to try to clean up in the aftermath of a handful of protesters, uh, a handful of uh, criminals uh, and thugs who, uh, who tore up the place. That was President Obama speaking at the Rose Garden this afternoon uh, about the events in Baltimore in response to the uh, death in police custody of Freddie Gray a couple of weeks ago. And it's gotten a lot of local attention, but it did not get national attention until really until things turned violent, which also brings up, frankly, a troubling idea, which is that. And it's something I've talked about for a long time uh, on this show that marches and protests uh, are important and they're all well and good and they need to be peaceful and nonviolent. But I am concerned that people don't notice them. They don't notice them anymore, uh, you know, until something extraordinary happens, unfortunately, until something violent happens. Now, I'm not advocating violence. This is the wrong way to move forward. But it's disturbing to me that something extraordinary like that needs to happen before people take notice. And speaking of which, uh, we're going to be talking um, a little bit later in the show with Doug Hughes, who's the uh, postal worker who landed on the Capitol Hill uh, lawn a couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago, uh, in his gyrocopter. You might have heard about that. You probably saw the footage of the gyrocopter. Uh, you probably saw everyone freaking out about it on cable news. But the reason that he did it was completely ignored. And so, it, but it, it took uh, this extraordinary event for people to even uh, begin to think about what the reason that he did it. And the reason that he did it had nothing to do with testing security at D.C. or in Washington, D.C. or anything else. It was about campaign finance reform. So we'll talk to him in a little bit about that. But uh, the, the remarks from the president about, you know, why this happens, why this keeps happening in city after city, we've seen it with uh, Michael Brown uh, protests in Ferguson. Uh, we've seen it at Tamir Rice protests in Cleveland. It, it happens in city after city after city. And there is a reason that it happens. We have an endemic problem clearly in this country when it comes to our police system and the way certain communities, communities of color, are policed. And the anger that they clearly have, uh, uh, you know, about the, the way the, they're the way they are treated and the fact that these issues are not being dealt with. Eddie Conway, uh, who is now a producer for The Real News, uh, he was at the Freddie Gray funeral yesterday. And, um, well, he spoke about what they spoke about uh, at that funeral. And I want to play uh, some of that because this begins to get at what this issue is really about and what this country needs to be talking about and what this country is so often not talking about. Here's Eddie Conway speaking yesterday uh, about Freddie Gray's funeral. It was uh, in New Shallow Baptist Church. Uh, the church was completely filled uh, I believe it was probably a thousand people there. Uh, dignitaries from the state and the local government was there. Uh, the congressman, uh, Eliza Cummings, uh, the senator, uh, the mayor was there. Uh, leaders from uh, across the country was there. Uh, Dick Gregory was there. Uh, Jesse Jackson was there. 
a number of people were there. Uh, the message that they put out was the, uh, from the speakers that the uh, uh, this situation wasn't just a situation of death of Freddie Gray, but it was a situation in which the community didn't have any support in terms of resources. Mm -hmm. The community uh, suffered from the lack of uh, 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 opportunities for young people. There were no jobs in the community, uh, institutional racism, uh, the way the, in which the police uh, uh, Police the area was one in which was considered by a lot of the residents in the area to be uh, occupation. Mm. Uh, so uh, eventually uh, all the speakers called for an investigation and they ended that with no justice, no peace. Maryland has like the highest uh, number of people killed in the last three years by a police department. Uh, uh, 111 to date. Mm. Uh, it's it's higher than any other state. 41% uh, of them were unarmed. Uh, a large majority of them were black. Uh, How many I police officers were charged? No police officers have been charged. No police and officers charged. young people in the street are not only frustrated, but they fear for their life. They do. And uh, Eddie Conway uh, from The Real News in Maryland uh, goes on to, to talk about the fact that uh, these kids have been getting harassed in the streets by the police for months and months and months now. And so uh, it's, hard to be, uh, it's hard to be surprised, I think, about the reaction that we're seeing in places like Baltimore in other 111 people killed by police in Maryland over the past three years. That's really extraordinary. And and no one charged. No one charged. Uh, so, uh, you know, of course, uh, Fox News was all over this and was looking to indict uh, the protesters, not looking to uh, what the problem was, not looking to why they were protesting. And incredibly enough, when it comes to understanding, trying to understand why there is such rage, why there is such anger... Fox News is the last place you would turn to get an answer to that. And therefore, I want to give credit to Shep Smith. And Des, uh, be prepared to start and stop this clip a little bit because uh, I, I want to point out a couple of things. It was actually Shepard Smith on Fox who told these who told his partners Eric Bowling and Greg Gutfeld these right-wing yutzes you know just looking to blame anyone in the community looking to blame the parents looking to I mean it's just you know it's their own Fox News racist uh, dog whistles or whatever but it Shep Smith as this protest was going on as these uh, protests had suddenly turned violent uh, he actually turned against his own people on Fox News to say hey we need to spend time figuring out what's going on and why it's going on rather than indicting anybody for what is actually going on. Here is some of this amazing audio from Shep Smith on Fox. Hey, Shep, um, Julie asked about the governor, but we also, at least I haven't heard anything from any civil rights leaders, have you? I heard Alveda King on a little while ago on our air telling her to get people home, that, that this is not a way to solve any problems. But it seems like in the middle of all of this, to start picking on people for civil rights and what they're saying and what they're not saying, we, we, could, we could spend our time watching this and reporting on it as we have yeah. 
street after street and avenue. It might be a nice idea, nice timing for, for one of the uh, higher profile civil rights leaders who, who tend to come in after the fact and say, look how bad things sure were with the, would, with the police officers. I'm guessing they're all watching. But if they came in now during the thing saying, hey, let's, let's, let's call for peace. Let's have some calm here. That's a wonderful idea. I'm confident they're all watching and will, on your instruction, do exactly that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Shep. And by the way, Eric Bowling said, well, where are these, uh, these you know, community leaders? The community leaders were inside the funeral. They were in the funeral at Freddie Gray's funeral. Uh, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson. That's where they were. And, of course, Eric Bowling knows that, but he's doing the uh, Fox News uh, uh, dog whistle for the audience to try to say, oh, look, where are all these, where are all these black people? Where are they? Why aren't they out here? Uh, you know, where are all these race hustlers? That's what Eric Bowling is doing. So thank you for Shep's. Thank you to Shep Smith for standing up to it. Go ahead, Des. Place more. You mentioned parents. Where are the parents? Oh, well, where are know, the parents? Been on the phone where are the parents? But if and, we want to, where are the parents? And that's true because you know, in this community, the parents don't care. The parents don't give a damn about these kids. Of course, these kids are out, you know, running around the street because they decided to cancel school. Because they didn't learn anything from Ferguson, Missouri, when they canceled school, and now you've got a whole bunch of kids with nothing to do all day. Anyway, go ahead, Des. Sit here and indict the civil rights community and indict the parents for what we're watching right now, instead of for now just covering what happens and then later talk about whose fault it is. Thank you. We don't know whose can, fault can, it can is. Can I just jump in, Chuck? No one's indicting anyone. We're watching the pictures. Well, we're asking. Yes, yes, you questions. are. A lot of our viewers are probably well, asking the same question. Bowling. Like the question the was, where are the parents? <laughs> Surely you don't expect me to know that. No, my question was. It was where a, I, I agree, Chef. It was a hypothetical. Civil, civil rights leaders. Where's Al Sharpton? Where's Jesse Jackson? You know what? Where I also don't know where they are. We've got a major They're American at the funeral. city that has decades of turmoil within this neighborhood. Decades. You heard the stories from Doug McElway a little while ago mm -hmm. of people being arrested for nothing, of a violent crackdown for years and years, of them feeling powerless and hopeless mm -hmm. and nobody listening to what they were saying. One quarter of the youth locked up. Clearly there is a big problem. Then all of a sudden an African-American man is taken into a vehicle and he comes out of it and dies and you get nothing from authorities except a suspension and then those who would do harm take an opportunity to do harm and here we are but it's what has happened between all of that and today that has led to this there is no escaping that reality mm -hmm. certainly people will need to come forward now and ask for calm but no one on these streets would be able to listen to that call for they're on these streets and what they have to do now is get law enforcement to come in and fix this law enforcement apparently at this moment does not have the capability to restore order otherwise law enforcement would do that because it is law enforcement and at this point no laws are being enforced and there's a purge underway yeah, plenty broken oh, man uh shepherd smith how how bad a uh, shape is this country in when we've got to turn to uh, shepherd smith and fox news to get it right and to stand up against these idiots eric bowling and uh, and greg gutfield where are the civil rights leaders they're there they're there on the ground where are the parents well, they're probably at work while, uh, you know, the, the city has let their kids go home from school because they called off school. Anyway, yeah, it takes it's a problem. It, you know, it, 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 the fact that this is what it takes to have this discussion for this discussion to even get through the thick heads 
at Fox News, I, you know, I guess this is what it takes. But it's disturbing that that's that that's the fact. Um, okay, we're we're gonna take a quick break here and uh, and come back with Doug Hughes. <laughs> Speaking of doing extraordinary things to get attention to a cause, Doug Hughes. The pilot who, uh, the, the postal worker, I should say, who flew his gyrocopter onto the, uh, onto the Capitol grounds. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just kind of you know, worked up about this. You know that guy, Eddie Conway, who we played, by the way, at uh, Real News? Uh, he was a leader of the Baltimore chapter of the Black Panther Party. He was released from prison last year, March, uh, a year ago, March 4, 2014, after having served 43 years Whoa. and 11 months in prison. Uh, you know, after uh, protests in the 60s. The last time we saw this kind of uh, protest, this kind of riots, frankly, violent riots erupt in uh, Baltimore was 1968, after the death of Martin Luther King Jr. Two years earlier, Martin Luther King, speaking about the necessity of, un, uh, of nonviolent protest, was speaking on uh, 60 Minutes, I believe it was, or at least to Mike Wallace. Um, and he was against, obviously, any kind of violent protest, any kind of riots like this. But he understood there is a reason they happen. So perhaps Martin Luther King put it best. Perhaps Martin Luther King best explained this kind of thing that we're seeing right now in Baltimore, even though he was a, uh, a, a, a dedicated fan of nonviolence, perhaps he explained what's going on today in Baltimore the best. I think we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. A riot is the language of the unheard. Sounds about right. Maybe we should start listening. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. Stay with us. And first at 11, a gyrocopter lands and jaws drop on the grounds of the U.S. Capitol. A man who landed a gyrocopter on the lawn of the U.S. Capitol. It is that shocking stunt pulled off by a man who flew his small gyrocopter to Washington and then landed on the west lawn of the U.S. Capitol. This gives new meaning to the idea of airmail. Right now we're standing in the middle of the National Mall. This is basically the gyrocopter's flight path. 24 hours after he crashed his gyrocopter near the U.S. Capitol, he'll appear before a federal judge to face a bunch of charges. Doug Hughes made national headlines last week when he landed his gyrocopter on the west lawn of the Capitol. He hoped to make a statement on the corrupting effects of big money on elections. But instead, the focus remains on his flight and the resulting security breach. But instead, he began a different conversation about the state of Homeland Security. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yes, the 61-year-old Florida letter carrier who flew to Washington, D.C. in mid-April in a tiny, really, really cool gyrocopter and landed on the west lawn of the U.S. Capitol. 
Uh, he was immediately arrested, charged with violating national airspace and operating an unregistered aircraft. The incident lit up Twitter as well as national and cable news networks. But the point was not to expose security vulnerabilities in Washington, D.C. It was meant to call attention to the need for campaign finance reform in the wake of the U.S. Supreme Court's horrendous Citizens United decision and the floodgates of campaign cash it has now brought to our electoral system. That man who pulled that stunt, U.S. postal worker Doug Hughes, had been hoping to deliver a letter for each of the 535 members about the importance of campaign finance reform. He, however, is now under house arrest, wearing an ankle monitor to track his every move, and he may receive up to four years in jail, even as a tiny handful of millionaires, billionaires, and corporations are free to spend billions to help determine who will govern our country. Ugh. Doug Hughes joins us now to talk about the incident and, frankly, so much that was overlooked by the American mainstream media, which noticed a shiny object in the sky and perceived a security threat while happily ignoring that a man was so troubled by what, he, what has come of our election systems that he was willing to put his life on the line, frankly, to bring attention to the issue. Uh, Doug Hughes, welcome, sir, to the broadcast. Well, thank, thank you for having me, Brad. Uh, this was an amazing story, Doug, and I should say up front, thank you for what you did. Thank you for, uh, frankly, risking your life. You spent a year and about $25,000 of your retirement funds, as I understand, on this. What, what were you hoping to achieve, and what did you think might actually uh, happen here? Well, I, I didn't expect to hand-deliver the letters to every member of Congress. I did plan on making the delivery and I'm counting on the post office to finish that for me. They've got the letters. Um, they're all stamped. And so when it goes through the system, I'm confident those letters will actually be delivered. The message, though, was for the American people. Mm -hmm. Okay? And most voters feel at a gut level that Congress isn't working for them. And most voters know that it has to do with money. Um, what I wanted to inform the American public of what my mm -hmm. website goes to is the fact that there are solutions to the problem. And these are problems that Congress doesn't want to talk about. They don't want us talking about it. Um, the media is in the conspiracy, as you implied in your intro. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't want us talking about solutions. Well, they don't want but, us, I should say, because uh, and this is something that I think is overlooked when it comes to these uh, rulings, the Citizens United and so forth. The media is not going to spend a lot of time reporting on it because right now this Citizens United money, it goes to the candidates, but it then goes to the media for campaign ads. This is a lifeline for the media. Uh, why it's is an, it's, yeah. a, it's an orgy of spending and, and they are banking on having that money. And it doesn't matter which network you're with. You're going to get a huge chunk of. If again, think about it. If we're talking about six or seven billion dollars that's spent in an election cycle, mm -hmm. the networks are licking their chops, expecting to each of them picking up a few hundred million dollars in revenue. Mm -hmm. And if you address the problem of corruption, it's going to lead you to campaign finance reform, and they're absolutely petrified that the amount of money will go down. So it's a taboo subject. It, it is. Uh, and the Congress, they need it. The media need it. And, and it, yet it's the Congress and the media who need to uh, 
talk about this issue in order for anything to change. Doug Hughes, uh, why is Citizens United, uh, of all things, I mean, we're, we're looking as we go to air here, uh, Baltimore exploding. We've got, I spoke with Dan Ellsberg yesterday about, you know, spying on, on U.S. citizens. Uh, why, of all things, is was Citizens United, as you thought, worth doing something like this, a stunt like this, where, frankly, you could have been shot out of the sky going into into D.C. airspace? Corruption in Washington is the bottleneck that has all the other things blocked up. Mm. On any issue that's going to cost the fat cats money, okay, they have got it. They, they've got a lock on it, yep. okay. If if anybody elected to Congress cannot gain by closing it up to special interests, then they're going to close it up to the power group that they are responsible to, and that's the voter, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if you build a wall of separation between big money and government, you wind up giving government no alternative except to work for us. That's not to suggest that they're going to agree with each other. That's not to suggest that I'm going to get my way in what comes out of Congress. But what comes out of Congress will be designed to benefit us. And right now, everything that comes out of Congress is is designed to benefit special interests. Were you surprised that, uh, well, I mean, I guess in this post-9-11 era, we had to expect there would be these security concerns. But were you pleased or disappointed with the amount of uh, attention that was given to the actual issue uh, for for which you you made this uh, gyrocopter landing at the Capitol? I, I studied the issue for years. I was already aware that the mainstream media considers campaign finance reform and the corruption of Congress to be a taboo subject. So I knew that at most from the networks, I was going to get treated as a nut or I'll get five minutes of coverage and they'll move quickly on to the next thing. I'm planning on going to radio shows. I'm planning on going to the print media. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to build a a nonpartisan groundswell voter rebellion so that we will elect the candidates who have committed to real reform. And by November, I don't know we're talking about uh, 18 months out, by, by the 2016 election, I want to be able to provide voters with a reform candidate in every congressional election. Hmm. And I want the local media, not the mainstream media, to identify who these people are. Mm-hmm. And then I trust the American people to be able to make a decision. Give them the information, they'll do the right thing. The mainstream media won't do it, but you will, Brad. And you've got you know, only a few hundred thousand colleagues who are operating at the local level. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm talking about journalists rather than hacks, <laughs> who will help to put out the word if they can see that they are participating in a revolutionary movement to take the government back to the people. When you say you want to provide voters with a reform candidate, you mean uh, a candidate who who wants to bring uh, this kind of reform, this kind of campaign reform to the system, regardless of party? Uh, You're not talking about uh, the reform party or something, but you're talking about uh, Democrats, Republicans, independent, whoever will bring this issue to the forefront? I did an interview earlier today with uh, a radio station in Missouri, 
And I would guess that probably 75, 80% of the audience was Republican and conservative, and I am Democrat, and I tend in my own personal politics to be liberal. Mm-hmm. But um, what I got back from the host is that it resonated with them, mm. because honesty in government is not a partisan issue. So if I was looking for a reform candidate in Missouri, I'm almost certainly looking for the Republican. Hmm. And he and I may not see eye to eye on any political issues whatsoever. But if I can find, if the incumbent, hypothetically, if the incumbent is, is for the status quo, he won't commit specifically to reform, and I want to identify what that means, okay? If, if the incumbent won't commit to reform, I'm looking to bump him off in the primary election. And if it's a Republican state, I'm going to recruit a Republican, okay, to knock him off in the primary. Hmm. This is not a partisan thing. Doug, do you have, uh, it's an ambitious agenda, and obviously I don't want to put anything, uh, uh, I don't want to under underestimate uh, you in any fashion, given what you have done so far, but... You're talking about a big project here. Is this just you uh, fighting this fight at this point? I know you've got a website, thedemocracyclub.org, but do you have an organization? Do you have, I hate to say it, money? No. Do I have an organization? No. Do I have the funding? Not yet. Mm -hmm. But I have got the support of a lot of other groups. I have heard from a number of other groups who have been fighting this fight, and they haven't been able to get past the blockade of of the mainstream media. And they're going, Doug, bless you, Mm. okay? And they're going to find out that although I have what I would like to do, I'm going to campaign for them and their approaches to to reform as hard as I campaign for mine, because it's not just a single answer. There's no magic bullet solution. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a number of things that work, and... I'm not narrowing my view or my support. Right now, I've got the bully pulpit, okay? I'm on your show because of what I did. I'm going to spread this out. My website that you mentioned is a, has a menu of credible groups with credible leadership who are not going to hit you up for money, and they are going to let you know what you can do to solve this problem. My my announcement was find a group that you're comfortable with, join it, and and be willing to be and stay engaged on the issue. Um, I know you're down in uh, Florida, and I'm not sure if your district is Alan Grayson's district, Congressman Alan Grayson. No, he's that. in Orlando. Okay. He's in Orlando. And he's been pretty good on this issue. Have you heard from him or uh, other members of Congress, either before or after uh, pulling this stunt? And I mean other uh, folks beyond guys like Congressman Jason Chaffetz, Republican from Utah, who said, quote, he is lucky to be alive because he should have been blown out of the air. If it was up to me, I would have taken care of the problem. That's the that's the lesson that Jason I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure that's a sincere <laughs> sentiment based on what I was flying there for. Okay, um, I've heard from Kathy Castor, who is my congresswoman. Mm-hmm. Okay, and she didn't agree or disagree with what I did. I'm not suggesting she endorsed my stunt, but uh, within a few days of my flight, she wanted to see a copy of the text of my letter. Good. Which is an intelligent request. And she did write me back after that 
and she didn't say yes or no to what I had written, but she did list the legislation that she had sponsored or co-sponsored, um, and none of what she referenced is going to go far enough, but it's a step in the right direction, and she has at least been willing to open up a, a dialogue with me, um, and that's a start. That's a start. Okay. And speaking of steps in the right direction, uh, it, it seems like this is now what it takes. You know, as I had mentioned, Baltimore is, is going on as we speak, is exploding. And, you know, there's questions about the, the peaceful demonstrations that went on for a week or two that, uh, frankly, nobody in the national media noticed. Something went terribly wrong over the last few days. Now they noticed. It seems like extraordinary things have to happen. A guy has to fly in with a gyrocopter in, into the capital. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I, yeah. I understand what you're talking about yeah. with, with Baltimore, and I think it's really important, but I do not advocate violence. Nobody got hurt. I did zero property damage. And that is, uh, I'm, that's I'm not my really, point, Doug. I'm, Doug, my, my oh, no, point okay. is, let me, let me just finish this thought, because uh, I don't know if you're familiar familiar with Granny D, uh, who's yes, a course. hero, yeah, who walked across the nation at age, I don't know, 90 or 100 or something to bring attention to the very same issue that I think that you're trying to bring attention to before she passed away. It seems like uh, marches and protests don't work anymore, that something extraordinary has to happen, uh, like flying, in your case, like flying into the uh, Capitol. But then, even then, uh, the media seems to go out of its way to not notice uh, what you know what the issue really is. I want to ask you, uh, Doug, about this uh, clip because actually, Chris Matthews. I don't know if you heard this clip or saw this. He actually seems to get it. I want to play this uh, clip uh, responding to what you did, and then I want to get your thoughts on it, Doug. I got an idea for Congress and the, and the Capitol Police. Instead of charging this guy on the helicopter, the gyrocopter, why don't you give him community service? And his community service could be one hour. And his one hour should be spent addressing a joint session, a joint meeting of the Congress. He should walk in there and tell them why he did that. And they must all be there to watch it. That can be his community service, and we can all watch. If they put this guy in jail, what a bunch of clowns that would be to do that. Anyway, What do you think of that plan, uh, Doug Hughes? Um, I'm... I, I'm a big fan of Chris, and he says what he thinks, and I, I really like it. Um, it's interesting that I think tomorrow they're going to be conducting investigations on security relating to or caused by my flight, and I haven't been invited to testify. <laughs> um, the, the, in fact, I don't think there's been a sincere attempt to even establish what altitude I flew at, I haven't heard anybody talking to um, air traffic controllers, either who could have been tracking me in that day, or in general, whether or not gyrocopters are invisible, which seems to be what some people are suggesting. Huh. I know that's false. Right. Okay. Um, I am confident that they saw me on the way in. That is, I am confident that their instruments pick me up. Now, it may be that a human being or a computer program misinterpreted the size of my vehicle, and and I was kicked out as not not being anything real. But but you okay. had told, but Doug, didn't you tell them in advance when you were gonna that you were gonna do this? When you were gonna do this? Didn't all of these the Secret Service and everybody else know this was going to happen? 
I went to great lengths to let them know of my flight yeah. the day of the flight. And I'll, and I'll give you the sequence of events. Um, I sent an email uh, about 10 minutes before I flew by delayed email. Okay. That went to the administration. And of course, it wouldn't have been read for a long time. The Tampa Bay Times, 10 minutes after I flew, posted the story on their website that I was making the flight. <laughs> and they pointed to my website that you mentioned, the democracyclub.org. On the front page of that, I instructed or requested that people call the White House to tell them to check the mail. And I told them what mail to check and who it was from. So, so half, they... an hour into the, no, half an hour into the flight, the Tampa Bay Times called, I think it was the White House. I don't know exactly who they spoke to, but they said I was coming in. Okay? So if they didn't know I was coming, it sure wasn't because everybody didn't make an effort to let them know. But I didn't let them know a week in advance. That's true. Well, when did you let the? It, well, it, you actually had informed people like a year in advance you were going to do this, and you I did had, you not? I had I had been informed on a year before the flight, and um, there was specific discussion about my politics, yeah. about the gyroplane, and about what I discussed with them as a very hypothetical ah, I um, see. act of civil disobedience. Okay. Now, I did not then, nor am I now, making any public confession that could be used against me in a court of law, okay? Um, but as a result of that inv investigation, I'm confident they checked out whether or not I was, not, whether or not I was violent, mm -hmm. whether or not I had history of violence, or whether I intended to do harm. Right. So the Secret Service had, had that profile on me had they discovered that I was planning violence or inclined to violence, I think they would have followed up their investigation much more aggressively than they did. Gotcha. But I think they found out that I was nonviolent, and they went on to more important things. Doug, That's an opinion. I don't know. Yeah, Doug, I've got just a minute or two here left, and so I want to see if I can get some real quick answers. I wanted to put your, your the issue up front. Uh, that that the reason you did this, but at the same time, yeah, everyone's still really interested in that really cool gyrocopter. So very quickly, um, <laughs> Sorry. yeah, uh, at least I'm uh, waiting till the end to ask you about this. Uh, first, I noticed that there was a U.S. Postal Service logo on it. That's not a USPS no. uh, sanctioned vehicle, is it? What, what's the response you've gotten from the uh, Postal Service on this? Um, well, from the Postal Service, I'm on administrative leave, mm -hmm. um, which means my pay is continuing and I'm not allowed to come in. Um, the post office hasn't said anything specific about the logo, but I didn't steal that. I bought that online and I put it on the plane, but no, it's, it, it is not a postal vehicle. And, and how um, long How long have you been? Uh, I'm glad to know that. It's not a postal vehicle, although I'd love to have my mail delivered with that thing. How, how many years have you been flying did you build that uh, gyrocopter yourself, and how long did the flight actually take? Uh, yes, it's a home-built. Um, the plans are available. It, the plans that it's based on are online. It's a gyro B, mm -hmm. um, and it's like it's a Volkswagen of gyros. <laughs> right. Um, right. Uh, the, my flying, I've been flying for... A, 
year, 18 months. Okay. Right. Um, soloed under, soloed about a year ago. And, um, and how long, how long pilots did, better than me, and, but and, I'm, I'm a good pilot. How long did the flight take from, you flew all yeah. the way from Florida to, to DC? I'm trying, yeah, I'm from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Ah. To DC. Okay. It's about my my GPS said it was sixty seven nautical miles, um, but a little bit less than that. Um, so it was probably about sixty to sixty five statute miles that I flew, mm-hmm. and took me a little bit over an hour. I haven't. Uh, I, I'm trying to find out the exact time of takeoff and the exact time of landing. Neither one of which I noted. But I think it's going to come down to be an hour and 15 minutes. And I I did miscalculate because it was way colder than I was prepared to. I'm used <laughs> to Florida. And once I got up there a few hundred feet, uh, I froze my touche off all the way in. <laughs> will, will you get your gyrocopter back, or has that been taken by the uh, Capitol Police as evidence in this case? It, it It has been taken as evidence, and I don't know what the final disposition will be. I don't expect they're going to give it back to me, though. Uh, I have an idea. Let's put it in the Smithsonian. A, a reporter asked you, uh, Doug Hughes, do you consider yourself a patriot? You responded, no, I'm a mailman. Well, I think message delivered here, although I'm still uncertain whether those messages were received. Doug Hughes, thedemocracyclub.org is where you can check out uh, his work and what he's all about. And the real reason uh, he risked his life flying into the Capitol on. Uh, Doug, great talking to you. Thanks for what you're doing. And uh, good, Brad, good luck thank with you everything. so much for having me on. You bet. Good luck to you. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with much more Bradcast. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay with us. Welcome back. It's your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Got just a few more minutes here. Uh, but I love that uh, Doug Hughes. What do you think, Des? Oh, he Did was you, just what? delightful. <laughs> just delightful. Uh, and I guess damn lucky he didn't get shot down out of the sky. Yeah, Maybe? that's 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 a good thing that they uh, <laughs> that they apparently were not keeping track of you know that kind of that so kind of were response. they sh- yeah were they showing some restraint or were they just incompetent? Um, you know, my guess is they were showing restraint. Yeah, I don't think that if they had any sense that there was a real threat out there, I really don't think that they would let that one go. That my far. guess is they were incompetent because, really? yeah, well, sure, they could have uh, certainly scrambled, uh, uh, you know, F-15s. They could have had helicopters up there flying next to him. I think they were completely clueless. You think they just didn't get it at all? I think they didn't get it at all, and uh, I think he may be damned lucky they didn't. Oh, he's very lucky then. If yeah. that if that's the case, he yeah. is extremely lucky that that they were not on top of the ball and not going after him for that. Uh, let's see here. A Fox News poll released Monday found that a plurality of registered voters now support legalizing same-sex marriage. This was a Fox News poll. Wow. Now, uh, in uh, at the Supreme Court this week, uh, today, in fact, they were arguing uh, the case that could turn out to. I uh, mean, it's finally legal, I should say constitutional in all 50 states to marry uh, someone of the same sex, as it should be all along. As I had predicted on this show and on the bradblog.com years ago, 
that on this one, if the the conservative position, those people who pretend to be conservative, if you're a constitutional conservative, you go to that constitution, you read it, you see where it talks about equal rights, equal justice under the law for all, and there is no reason, there is no justification constitutionally to keep people from... Uh, from getting married to keep uh, people of the same sex from getting married. And, and so I, I think it's going to be made uh, very, very soon in all 50 states. Yeah, and I thought there was an interesting report from the Los Angeles Times that was reporting on the oral arguments in the Supreme Court. Um, and they said, of course, you know, Justice Kennedy, who is widely expected to be the deciding vote in the matter, did not tip his hand, according to the L.A. Times. And that, of course, gives hope to both sides of the debate. Now, what I thought was interesting was that here's the L.A. Times. They say, Early in the oral arguments before the justices, Kennedy noted that the institution of marriage had been defined for, quote, millennia as the union of a man and a woman. Quote, it's very difficult for the court to say, oh, well, we know better. Except, you know, we also had slavery for millennia and people thought slavery was OK for millennia. And didn't uh, Adam uh, in, in the Bible or I don't, you know, I, wrong guy to talk about the Bible, I guess. But <laughs> but didn't those guys have like hundreds of wives? Yeah. Polygamy was in the Bible. I mean, it's uh, that's how that's it the way it's defined. Yeah. That's the way marriage is defined. And until I can be allowed to marry as many dozens of people, uh, w women, men, whatever. Uh, then uh, it's not traditional marriage, and I'm furious that they have changed the, tr the definition of marriage to, to, to be just between only one man and one woman. Call me, call me conservative, call me traditional, but I think a man ought to be able to marry one, 200 wives if he wants. <laughs> because that would be traditional marriage. Because I'm a traditionalist. According to the yeah, Bible. That's right. But, yeah. Well, uh, even the f uh, people of Fox News aren't buying it anymore. 48% of those surveyed said they support legalizing same-sex marriage, while 44% said they oppose legalizing same-sex marriage. Uh, that finding is a slight increase from October 2014 when Fox News found voters split evenly at 45. The poll's findings uh, came uh, just yesterday, a day before the Supreme Court was set to hear these arguments in the case concerning same-sex marriage, it also comes after a weekend in which a number of likely and declared 2016 Republican presidential candidates all strongly expressed their support for religious freedom laws that critics say essentially legalize discrimination against gay and lesbian couples. You know, if there's anything that I am happy about in all of this is that the the tide of public opinion, you know, that the tide of justice and same and equality, uh, equality in marriage as well is moving against all of those who would try to prevent people from having this kind of equal right, that the tide of public opinion has moved. It is moved and it's something that they're going to have a lot of difficulty fighting against and pretending like they didn't care about back when it when it's going to matter in 2016. Oh, yeah. And election. you know what? And even by 2016, they may be embarrassed that they had this uh, that they were against it, it i don't like know the that they're capable are... of embarrassment well, though true. i'm sorry that's true good point i although i love the, uh, the idea that uh, you know it's reported here that uh the 2016 presidential candidates strongly expressed their support for religious freedom laws they didn't uh, they're no longer talking about being against marriage equality because they know it ain't popular so they've dreamt mm -hmm. up this religious freedom nonsense 
that has led to, I mean, okay, printing company, this is from Ross Story this week, printing company apologizes for Georgia franchise that won't make invites for lesbian weddings. Oh, wait, so their parent company apologized? The parent company did the right thing and said, yeah, we're sorry for these idiots uh, who are our franchisees uh, who refuse to make, uh, let's see here, a printing company has apologized for the owner of its franchise in Suwannee, Georgia, who refused to print wedding invitations for a lesbian couple. Alan Akins, the owner of a local Alpha Graphics franchise told the couple he could not do the job because his religious beliefs did not allow him to support same-sex marriage. I kept asking him how, why, how he could do this. He just basically stood on his religious beliefs, said Paige Beckwith, one of the brides. Uh, He just stood on his religious beliefs, referenced the Bible, called it a sin, and I was basically in tears saying, how could you treat me this way? Now, Uh, Maybe he'll have to show me where it is in the Bible that uh, either God or Jesus (laughs) declares thou shalt not print invitations to someone else's same-sex marriage. It's just, it's not there. So they're not forcing him to participate in the marriage. No, I know. They're not forcing these people to get gay married. He doesn't have to get gay married. He doesn't have to get gay married. And this is what I've been saying for years. Just because uh, marriage equality becomes legal in your state, it does not become mandatory. <laughs> you don't have to get married to someone of the same sex. Now, you know, one anyway, other thing yeah. about this really quick is that remember when uh, Indiana Governor Mike Pence, he had to have that old ponderous press conference where he said, this does not mean you can deny services. We don't intend for this law to mean that businesses shall deny services if they want to. Yes, but do. yet this is yeah. exactly, exactly, of course, what would happen. Yes. And it, everybody said this is going to happen. Denying yeah. Denial of service right there. Uh, exactly. Meantime, in uh, Oregon, where these Christian bakers... Because you will remember the phrase from the Bible where thou shalt not bake a cake for a gay wedding. <laughs> uh, so these uh, these Christian bakers, these anti-gay Christian bakers in Oregon, they raised approximately $110,000 to pay a court-ordered uh, fine uh, through their GoFundMe uh, site. But apparently they can't use that $110,000 now because GoFundMe uh, is saying, no, uh, that, that account is canceled. You can't use it for... Uh, you can't use money for uh, illegal purposes. And in Oregon, apparently, it is illegal to not, you know, to discriminate against uh, someone on the basis of their sexual preference if they want to get married. By the way, that printing company uh, in Georgia is doing the right thing. Not not the uh, jerks who refuse to print up the invitations, but the parent company who apologized for it and promised to give away the invitations for free. Yay, uh, Alpha Graphics. Well done. All right, uh, that wraps it up for this afternoon, this evening, this morning, whenever you are listening to the Bradcast. We'll be back, same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow, live from KPFK, uh, as I recall. Uh, And we may be even taking your calls. So if you're listening on Wednesday between uh, 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. Pacific time, You can give us a call and tell me how I'm completely full of it. I'd love to hear from you. All right, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. Thank you very much. To our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. And to my guest, Doug Hughes of thedemocracyclub.org. 
Want to help him out? Please go on over there and do. Uh, we'll see you again. Same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at the Brad Blog and, of course, at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>